Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fandalorian Club here on Apocalypse Movies. Thank you so much for joining us today as we are back reviewing Andor, the latest Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus. Um, episode 4, it's the first time we have done this for just the one episode, which just is a nice relief off of our shoulders. Just one episode to talk about. Uh, as you can see, I'm with Brian Alessino again today. Um, the two Fando regulars here on the channel. Uh, Mr. Gio Ramos was going to join us, but wasn't able to make it the last second. Uh, he said he'll be back next week to give all his thoughts uh, for Andor going forward. But for now, Brian and I get to talk about this awesome episode of Andor. Um, so many cool things to talk about. Uh, Brian, keeping all the stuff that we just talked about out of the conversation, how was your day otherwise? That is the most exciting. I excited you've been. At least. My everything I just told you about was any literal thing that happened in my day. So other than that, I guess just normal. I ate like crap today, and I'm not happy about it. So the second I'm done with this, I'm gonna get on the Peloton for like a half hour and just force myself to move. I just got back from workout, so I'm feeling good right now. Yeah, I. So it's parent-teacher conferences, and the principal, they make us stay, like, two hours after we're supposed to be. So, like, yeah. they're feeding us to make us happy, but, like, it's dominoes, nachos, Halloween candy, muffins. So it's just literally, like, I'm just, like, and I have zero self-control, uh, especially on a week like this week. So I feel like a piece of... And I need to move my body. I appreciate you uh, keeping the curse words out of this one as the Fan Lauren Club is a friendly family show um, mm -hmm. as we talk Star Wars. Uh, so, um, but look, let's get into it. Uh, Andy says it doesn't sound like a problem for him, Brian, just so you know. It does oh. not sound like a problem for him. So. I think uh, weight works differently in Australia. So. <laughs> uh Let's get into Andor episode four. Um, this was this was a very very cool episode of Andor. Uh, very cool episode of Star Wars television. Um, unlike anything we've seen in anything Star Wars to this point, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, we we went to a brand new planet. We kind of set up what's going to be happening over a possible next episode, next couple episodes with Andor and kind of where he is at the moment. Cassian slash Clem. Um, and then we finally get to meet, or I guess re-meet, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly's Mon Mothma. We got a little bit of her. And then Stellan Skarsgård just steals the whole episode with what he's doing the entire time. So, uh, Brian, quick thoughts here on Andor Episode 4 uh, before we dive into all the nitty-gritty details. Um, so I may or may not be the stupidest person in the world. But I had no idea, no idea. Literally, my mind was blown and shocked when he ended up being the museum guy. Yeah, I dude. really thought that that was a completely different actor in the trailers. What? No. I, when I tell you, I gasped. I don't know how. I don't know. Literally went. Holy crap. Family friendly. Family friendly. That's, 
that's this crap is not bad. I, kids can say it at work. No, I, but you, you, you. I started back to, but I changed. Exactly, exactly. I was blown away. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, I maybe just never really paid attention to it. I think I don't, I didn't really like look hard enough in the trailers. Uh, when he put, I went, oh my God. Oh my God. That's the same person. Like, no idea. Huh. Literally, if they wouldn't have shown that, I probably would have thought it was a different person in a different actor. Interesting. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I. I cannot tell you the absolute like. And I watched this at six in the morning. I literally the second I. I don't even have my glasses on yet. I put my hand for the remote to just start it. So like I'm half awake when I'm watching this. That woke me right the heck up. I was like, that's the same person. <laughs> like, yeah, it was a great episode. I mean, but like that, I don't know how my stupidity missed that one. But uh, yeah, no, it was a good episode. The show is really good. It's, and it's only four episodes in out of 24. Well, I mean, if you're counting both seasons, yes. Well, yeah. I, the way they talked about it at Spectacular, I just consider it 24. Um, yeah, no, this show rocks. This this show rocks. I said it on Twitter uh, earlier today. Excuse me. Um, and this is obviously very early. It's only been two weeks worth of Andor, four episodes. We have 12 episodes to go in this first season, or eight episodes to go in this first season, excuse me. Um, but I honestly think at this point, this is my favorite thing Disney has ever done with Star Wars ever. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to go through. Obviously we have five movies, um, couple seasons worth of television shows, comics, books, etc. Uh, but so far, I think I am in love with what. The tone, the look, the idea of this show more than anything I've ever experienced with Disney Star Wars so far. Did uh, I call it Andy? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Celebration. Uh, I, I, without a doubt, love The Force Awakens. Um, it's one of my favorite Star Wars films. I love Solo. I love Rogue One. I love a lot of the books um, and a lot of the comics as well. And obviously, my thoughts on Mando are, are out there. I love the show. Um, but this is... This, this is, is me. This, this is, is a movie. movie. Yeah, but this is just me. This is... You this say is that about what, everything that you like. This I is, don't say this about everything. I don't. I, I, I don't. don't I'm pushing me. back on that because I don't say that about everything. I'm going to I say that up. about specific genres that do it well. And this is a genre that is doing it well. Um... It is a spy thriller that doesn't give a rat's you know what about your take or anybody else's take on pacing. It's telling the story it wants to tell and it's taking its time to do it. And it does not care who is saying what about it. It is taking its time and it's well worth every freaking second. Um, people are going to be out there uh, complaining about how slow it is or that it's taking too much time or that 12 episodes is too much. All those people are wrong. Those people are wrong. This is what a spy 
espionage, thriller, political thriller are all about. Uh, it is a story about characters, not about action and big explosives, etc. We're going to get those moments. Like, they set up a heist in this episode. We're going to get the heist at some point, right? We've seen action in the trailers. There's plenty of it. Yeah, like, there's plenty of stuff that we're going to see that we saw in the trailers. But a spy political espionage thriller is more about its characters than it is about the stuff happening around them. And in four episodes, it has shown more care and dedication to writing great characters than most, if not all, of Disney Star Wars. I'm not afraid to say that. Because, and there's been incredible writing for other characters in either the movies or the Mandalorian, etc. But some of these characters in just four episodes are already better written than half the characters we've gotten in the last seven years. That is just my personal opinion. Um, I think Stellan Skarsgård's Luthen is... Awesome. God's gift to Star Wars Earth. Uh, protect this human being at all costs. Wow. He's going to die at some point, but protect him. Um, I I just... The you show didn't is, even give him season two. No, I didn't give him season two. You're right. I don't think he's making it to season two. Yeah. And it hurts me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just that's just my opinion. And I may be biased because my this is my type of storytelling. Uh but I love the fact that we've seen very little action to this point. Um, the show is 12 episodes for one season. You have time to show that action. You have time. Like if you've seen what a good political spy thriller is all about, this is what it's like. Uh, and it's unlike anything we've ever seen in star Wars. Um, I mean, we saw Mon Mothma in two scenes this episode and I am juiced for her storyline awesome. i am juiced for what they're doing with her in just the two scenes we got her uh like that that's what happens when you do stories well so yeah i just i think it's a home run man i think it's an absolute home run i including mandalorian everything this literally feels like a movie that we're getting just in pieces. It literally, to me, feels like a movie that it's just like, all right, cut it right there. And then we'll start next week. They'll continue the movie. It's literally, it literally feels like that. It, there's something, I don't want to say, the way it sounds isn't how I mean, but there's something like, I don't want to say it because it's, it sounds. If I knew what you're talking about, I could help, but I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, it's like, there's something like, like, you know, that it's not real when you're watching like Mandalorian and, and stuff like that. I don't want to say fake. This feels like almost like real in a way. Like, I feel like I could see this like, happening i don't know how to describe it. well no i i can i can tell you it does it because i had the same thought it doesn't feel like star wars yeah it's just blanketed with star wars yeah like it's literally yeah. like if you took the character's name off of it the city of coruscant etc and just put it in a world it would work just as well as being in yeah. a star wars world yeah that's fair that that's yeah that's probably there's nothing 
that is making it like, ooh, like this has. Well, it doesn't have that fantasy sci-fi space opera feel. Yeah. Yes. It's it's just a different genre. You can just say it that way. Yeah. It's it's not. It's very much real. With obviously, uh, I mean, we're not traveling to different planets in our world, but like, if we were, this is kind of like how it would feel like it would play out, like something like this. It's there, Mandalorian does things that you're just like, it, it works for Mandalorian. Well, like, it, it goes full Star Wars. Yeah. It's yes, it is your full to the brim Star Wars, like the most authentic version of like what you would expect from Star Wars. For sure. This is that same thing, except the grounded version without the like things that like people don't like Star Wars because it has people floating things in the air and flying and st- just like that type of stuff. Like this is very much, in fact, I put it this way to my, uh, my coworkers. She, I was trying to, we were talking about all the shows that are out right now. And she said, she's not a huge star Wars person. And she didn't think she was going to watch this. Cause she was just, she's, she doesn't follow it as religiously and just, it, she didn't felt like she'd be confused. And I told her, I was like, do you, have you seen rogue one? And she's like, yeah, I was like, okay, try watching this. And I bet you you'll like it because it's, you don't need to know anything other than rogue one. And she ended up watching it. And she's like, this, I mean, is- quite honestly, you don't even need to know rogue one at this point. No, you don't. But like, if you want a base level of oh, understanding yeah. of what's going sure. on, watch rogue one. I was, she's like, but I don't know about Jedi's. And I was like, you don't need to know any of that. And she watched it and she's like, okay, this is the type of stuff that I like from Star Wars because it's bare minimum knowledge, but you're still in the world of Star Wars. So, yeah. And I think this show is just absolutely, it's a, I feel like I'm watching a movie every single time. Mm-hmm. Every single time. It feels like you are just watching a movie. Yeah. So. I agree. I, I 100% agree with you. It's, it is. I don't know what show we talked about this. God, I don't know what show it was. We did it. It was either Rewind or this. We talked about how cinematic the show felt. Um, maybe it was Loki. I don't know. Anyway, we we had previously talked about how we felt that the show was it just felt cinematic. It had this feel to it that felt like a movie. This has trumped everything so far. Out of all of the Marvel and Disney Plus shows, in Marvel and Star Wars shows, in my opinion, this is taking the movies and transferring it to the TV screen the best. I almost not like. I almost don't want them to use the volume and stuff anymore. I want them to use the volume at minimal. At certain moments, oh, like yeah. flying ships, like flying ships and stuff in space, I'm cool with that. But I think if they're on the ground, I mean, it's clearly working. Yeah, it's just a whole different level. Like, uh, it's it just looks so visually appealing. Uh, I 
Yeah, the only way I can describe it is just keep saying it feels like a movie. I don't. Mandalorian has never felt like a movie. It felt like a Star Wars TV show. I'm trying to think, is there anything else other than Boba Fett felt like a Star Wars TV show? Everything else has been animated, right? I'm not forgetting Ahsoka, anything. Ahsoka ain't going to feel like no TV show. I can tell you that much. I'm curious to see how Ahsoka, Kenobi. Kenobi felt like a TV show. Ken, yeah, I would say Kenobi probably felt like a TV show also. This feels like a movie. It felt like a TV show. Kenobi felt like a TV show when you were watching it, but the episodes broke up. If you watched it all six at once, it's a movie how it's broken yes. up. Yes. But as far as watching it, it felt like a TV show. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's fair. Yeah. It, this is just a, a whole new. John Booz is right. Imagine Kenobi with this production. I almost don't understand why at this point. Like I honestly like get certain things, but like especially like the thing that immediately comes to my mind is um when they corner them on that like mine planet, like where the whole like first instance of Kenobi and Vader getting like close to each other, like that yeah. whole thing, like the it uh, yeah. That's the one immediate where I'm like, yeah. I want to bring up Andy's comment real quick because this is this is interesting. Uh, this might be crazy, but I like TV shows to feel like TV shows. I, I do agree with you, Andy. Um, I like them to be... I like the episodes to have like a definitive start and finish to them like a TV show does, but in a point where the finish is still a continuation to the next episode. Like, for example, episode three of Andor and four... It was a perfect ending to episode three, but it was straight into episode four. Like it, it felt like a great start to finish. When I say cinematic, I think TV shows can very much still be cinematic. And I use Game of Thrones as a great reference. The first six seasons of that show were incredibly cinematic, but it was very much told in a TV show perspective. And I think that's what Andor is doing. I think Andor is telling a very cinematic, big story with a very well done production, but it's telling it as a TV show. Um, a lot of a lot of the great shows do that: the Game of Thrones of the world, the the Breaking Bad's, the Sopranos, and those sometimes might be smaller stories, but those are big TV shows. How they were told, they're really big stories, and I think Andor is very kind of like on that level. Um, it's still a TV show, and it's being told like one. But I think it's telling it at a very cinematic level, which I very appreciate when it comes to Star Wars personally. Yeah. And I wish Marvel would do that too because Marvel kind of misses the bell on that sometimes. sometimes. Um, not all the time, but they're having a couple series that they've kind of missed the bell on that. Anyway, anyway. Uh, look, Andor, has a, we, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I don't know, Brian, if you have somewhere that you would like to start uh, a, a certain character because obviously there's basically like three different arcs in this uh this episode alone we have andor we have luthan and we have mon mothma um, I mean, my personal favorite was mon mothma let's talk about mothma first because it's her introduction it's the first time we see her uh the first time we see her is going to i there guess go. hi rachel go back to your kiddos and work we know you're busy mm -hmm. um the first time we get to meet her she's going to luthan's uh I guess you could say relic museum, relic shop, um, pawn shop, if you will. He's a collector. Yeah, collector. There you go. I mean, but he's kind of he's selling stuff technically. So, so did the collector. Um, 
yeah, I would, I would say, I would say it's a shop, a museum shop. Um, anyway, uh, we get to see her there, and, and you know, okay, but let me ask you this, Brian. Did you know right away that they were putting on a front and talking to each other? Yeah. So did I. Okay. Just, yeah. I wanted to make sure we we're on the same page. I um, was just trying to but figure But it was out. still a really good play. Like, it, yeah, I thought absolutely. it was great. Like, they had, they had that, like, and I was watching Alex and Molly earlier, and Molly made the reference of, like, the super snarky, snotty, rich conversation. They played it off very well. Mm-hmm. until and then they went to the back and kind of got down to the nitty-gritty of it all i thought it was a really good front in front of their assistants until they kind of got behind closed doors and were able to have the real conversation but i thought it was a well it ended I, up just being because of the driver yes when yeah i think i do think that oh, his, his assistant, assistant was fully in on it I, yeah i think his assistant definitely knows um i am i i, I just think that genevieve o'reilly is finally getting a chance to like show what she's capable of uh because we've only seen bits and pieces of her right like she was in rogue one for a very small bit her scene from revenge of the sith got cut it's Um, like who said it earlier uh john we're finally meeting mon mothma and she's been around for 39 years well and i love that it's a very different type of mon mothma yeah it's just i mean i've i said it before this show started we, there are characters in Star Wars that are infamous, infamous names that we know. I mean, we know about them, but in canon, there's Jack, you know what, about them. Pa- uh, Plagueis being one, yeah. and Mon Mothma probably being the second. Like, those two characters, like, if you know Star Wars, everyone knows who they are. Canon wise, they're barely in it. Other than it, at least if you're not reading comics or well, I would say just keep live action. Just say live action. Yeah, in live action. Because that's that's the general audience. So. Yeah. I mean, even Plagueis in books isn't even that much, but still, she's for the importance of that character, she's barely in anything mainstream. So, no, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think that it's it's very long overdue. It's weird I, almost. Yeah, but I also feel like it's the perfect time. You know, mm-hmm. like there hasn't been something. There hasn't been something to this point that I can think back of in all of Star Wars that's like they should have had Mon Mothma. Andor feels perfect. It feels like the perfect time and uh, t- in the timeline to tell her story. Obviously, it's the building of the rebellion, and she clearly has a very important part to it. Um, but I, I love the fact that it's an extremely different type of Mon Mothma, even from when we met her in Rogue One. You know, from in what this is five years prior to Rogue One, uh, she she is she wasn't like the Return of the Jedi Mon Mothma in Rogue One, but she you can, you can tell that she was working her way to that, the way that she spoke and kind of held herself. It's very different right now. Um, and I love that Genevieve O'Reilly is, is basically allowed to create this character with, with her personality and her acting chops and to be able to tell this story of this woman who is so insanely important to Star Wars, but nobody knows how important she is. Well, I mean, this is literally the beginning of the importance of Mon Mothma. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is literally 
the reason why she is so important in Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, you can argue probably nothing too significant like that she's done. You mean before this? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, she was just a senator. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything started everything pretty much started once the empire became the empire. That's when, she, that's when Moth Mothma basically became a thing. Um, or I guess, like you said, an importance to everything that was kind of happening. Uh, I'm super excited. I, I can't wait to see where her story takes her. And it's funny. Everyone keeps talking. I've seen, well, not everyone. I've seen a lot of people talking about the pacing of the show and how they, they wish it picked up. I highly disagree with that. I but, agree too. Because and I'm, in watching, you know, me, I'm I'm like I get bored quick. Yeah, and and in watching this episode, when she was talking to Luthen about like, I'm already being looked at. My anxiety is raising through the roof because I'm like, this woman can go any day. Obviously, we know she doesn't, no. but she can go to prison. She can get like tortured and then come out of that. We don't know where her her story takes her. Like anything could happen to her at this point. And I'm thinking. What if she gets caught and gets caught for a little while, then they ended up taking her out or something? I don't know. Am I, like to be able to create that kind of tension in a show that is literally just two characters talking, they're doing a really good job. A really, really good job. One of them being Stellan Skarsgård. I'm telling you, he is it is so great. This dude is so good at what he does. And I, I want to mention it quickly just because it's a very quick scene, but that that scene where he was getting into character, Chef's Kiss. Where he was putting the wig on, he was putting the rings, and he was like, he was like doing the hand gestures and like smiling. Like it, it makes sense when you think of rebels. They are they're obviously spies hiding themselves. They have to do that. They have to play characters, and it totally makes sense. One of my favorite posters is the one, like where it's the senators, and some of them are ripped off, like this logos, and some of them are ripped off. Yeah. Uh, being the rebel seal underneath it, it's kind of like the feeling I get. Like you're kind of just like, <laughs> who are you secretly gonna be a good guy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of like you're just kind of like, well, you're never gonna know. I mean, we're no, not gonna know until we know. No, hundred percent. And so, like, I, I guarantee you, there is going to be empire characters in this that flip. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's so like, even like these ones so far that you're immediately like, I hate that person. They could flip at like, I think it's very much, I mean, they might flip and immediately be dead like the next episode, but like, you're just kind of like, always like, are you (laughs) doing something on purpose or like, is this like, what are you doing? Like, you never can be a hundred percent quite sure. Like, someone may turn at some point, and yeah. uh, I kind of like that. Like, like with the um, the new blonde lady today. I- I'm just going. I, like, she may be a pure bad villain the whole entire time, but like, anytime I'm seeing someone new, I'm like sizing them up just like okay you seem pretty decently 
like good to the empire like john boos has an interesting theory here the twist is that the isb lady is the sister of sound Skarsgård, either or, him or mon mothma maybe does mon or, mothma have a sister or is it the oh it's deidre deidre excuse me thank you thank you thank you thank you Oh, you mean Andor's sister? No. They're, they're different nationalities. Yeah, no way. No way. Unless. Nah. I mean, that would be a, unless she was highly adopted. There did not seem to be see any blonde children in that. I don't. There's I mean, no possible you can way. Easily dye your there's hair. no possible way that's Cassian's sister, right? No way. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't. I don't think I. No, I don't think I'm into that. I don't think I'm into that. Yeah. I, um might call you oh it's a joke okay thank you oh okay <laughs> i, I mean hey, nice. how are we supposed to know if it's a joke if if you're not you know putting it out we don't know i was just kind of just trying to be like how nice can i be about this but absolutely yeah i don't want to tell you off but john booze you're wrong yeah i was just like okay well <laughs> i like uh joking. all right brian two things real quick on mon mothman before we move on uh one Let's talk about this old dinner party dinner party sequence that we're probably going to end up seeing next. Are you episode. going back? Are you not going to talk about the stuff in the collectors? Or is that the second one? Okay, cool. I want to talk about the dinner party stuff first because it's going to be very quick. It's not going to be anything. I, the stuff that, prick. This, I'm going to call man Mothma for the moment. <laughs> That's <fair>. um, <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, I, I think the dinner party sequence is going to be very interesting. Dude, uh, you're going to be holding your breath in well because it's essentially it it seems like it's being set up to be every person who hates her yeah um and there might be some people who side with her because he you know he said i'm putting you at the at that end of the table which might mean like i'm putting some other people with with she you. had a really good comeback to that too and i can't remember what it was it was just kind of like well she basically said if like you're challenging me i'm not backing down is essentially what she said yeah she's not gonna like hold her breath i think is what i got from that um yeah so uh i i just i think it's gonna end up in some pretty big chaos and we know what politics can look like if they're done well star wars politics are very very good and if you put these actors and actresses in the sequence where they're battling back and forth and from what you said just the day or two before the shipping lanes were cut off from these senators people are literally um, starving yeah like andy said sly Moore was confirmed which was insane that that that's part of Palpatine's party right there. Like this is, this is kind of a big deal. This is, this is a pretty big deal. And, and we're going to be able to see Genevieve O'Reilly really strut her stuff right off the bat. And chaos is going to ensue almost right away with these characters. And yes, her husband is an absolute dickhead. He's such a prick. He's such a, like a wussy, like rich, that typical, just like, He's he's clearly the gold digger of the family, and and Mon Mothma. Not even that. He's just so oblivious. He's so comfortable that he's oblivious yeah. to the world that goes around him, and uh -huh. she is the absolute opposite. Mm -hmm. So it's it's funny because I would not be surprised if her husband was like, oh, he's dying. Uh, oh no no no! Not even that. Like a beard essentially where it's just like a facade it's like she doesn't give two craps about him but he's literally just a means to cover her in oh i could see that i it it felt like right away like they didn't belong together no like i didn't sense any kind of love uh care in the world about any of it 
Yeah, it seemed very much just like it's convenient. A, it, it it felt convenient. It's almost like, hey, I'm married to someone that believes all these empire things, so I could never, yeah, be a traitor because look at who I'm married to, mm-hmm. and we support all these types of things. We're literally hosting a dinner party yeah. for these people that do crappy things. So, um. Yeah, I don't. I think he is an absolute cover that will bite the bullet, and she will literally just be like, "Oh no, <laughs> there goes my cover." <laughs> like yeah. honestly, like not even anything else. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Andy. Well, we all know that Mon and Bale are getting it on. Um, Absolutely, they Bale would never be- betray on, his wife. Uh, Gordon, to answer your question. Yes, Slymore Sly is technically Force-sensitive, but I don't think they will go into that at all. Um, that is too big of a thing to mention, show, touch on in what's happening around them. I don't think... I mean, Brian, you might you might uh, feel different, but I don't think that they're going to touch this character being Force-sensitive whatsoever. Well, I mean... Because, like, how would you do it without it being, like, a huge deal? What... Hold on. I'm looking at. So Wikipedia says more powers and abilities. More was able to use the force and adept at and adept at manipulating political opponents to reveal their secrets. Okay. So maybe that's a thing where we see her kind of like mind tricking people. Um, but I don't know. I don't think, uh, I don't think we're going to see her like using the actual force whatsoever. What? I mean, I know you're not going to know. Maybe. And I don't mean this and mean that insultingly, but like, where is it that it was like, where is it said that she has the, she's in, she's in the Darth Vader comic books. And that's where, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it's a Darth Vader comic books. I could and be that's wrong. where it's, it's yeah. been said that yeah. she has. I'm oh, pretty sure it's the Darth Vader comics as well. Oh, of course, it's it's the ones after I like took a break from reading Vader. Yeah, it's all showing up in the more recent Vader ones. Okay, so yeah, it's it's the Vader comic books is where it's kind of touched on. Yes, I thought it. I thought it was Vader. It makes sense that it's Vader because it deals with Palpatine. she's part of his high staff there's no way they're going to use any type of force in this she's they're not gonna no I don't think I think other than her just being a presence Mm -hmm. I don't see I agree any force being used I think to anyone that is watching this just purely Star Wars related, like my coworker for that example, if you all of a sudden throw out that she has force abilities, people are they're gonna be like, oh, so she's a Sith. It's like, it's hundred percent one of these things of they're they're mentioning her and showing her for people like us who know her, but for people who don't know that and they see the name Slime more, it's not gonna matter. Like, it's not going to matter to them. They may just, like, make her seem more imposing. I and, think like, so. 
just in the sense of like intimidating to where it seems like she's using the force, like in the sense of just like, for sure. I, I don't think I just don't see. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't see any reason, honestly, to. Yeah. Because then that's a whole thing in itself that people are going to go off on. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense at this time. I agree with you. I agree. Um, all right. Jumping back from the dinner party scene to uh, the Museum of Relics, let's talk about some of these beautiful Easter eggs that we got inside this museum. Um, I'm not going to bring up the pictures because they are a little blurry, um, but I'm going to name them off. Uh, a couple ones that we saw within this uh, Relic Museum that Stellan Skarsgård's Luthen character had. The One of the first ones we saw was the Mandalorian armor, the chest plate. Um, and obviously it, it can be from anything uh, but Brian sent me a Twitter page. I kind of broke this down earlier and they mentioned that it could have been a chance to take it from the night of a thousand tears. Um, all the, the I don't think that happened yet at this point. That's the only thing I'm thinking of. 100% it did. 100%. I don't think, I don't think it five years before a new hope, a hundred percent it did. Mm. That's fit. This is 15 years after revenge of the Sith. Keep that in mind. 15 years after revenge of the Sith. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, so oh, well, okay. Here you go, Jake. Like, same person that said it said it. Correction: I'm being told that the events of Night of a Thousand Tears takes place later in the timeline. Thank you for all those that brought this to my attention. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know when it happens. So yeah. sorry. I find it hard to believe that the Night of a Thousand Tears happened in the last. I mean, maybe it did. I don't know. Either way. Either way. Luthen has a chest plate of Mandalorian armor. He's got some Beskar. Um, the, one of the next pieces we see is the Kalakori. Uh, it's not, uh, if you're a Rebels fan, it's not obviously the one from uh, Harrison Dula, her Kalakori, but it's a one that resembles um, the symbols and the shape of it. And then the cool one that we got, the one that I think I'm most excited about, is the World Between Worlds, the broken piece uh, from Star Wars Rebels, which is super, super cool. Um, and there's some broken pieces inside there that that's where the, the assistant was showing, uh, her driver, some kind of relic and the pieces were sitting to the right of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can see the hands, uh, which are really cool. And then one of the last big ones, which was a super cool reference for us video game players is star killers armor mm -hmm. from the force unleashed video game was shown in the background, standing full, full six feet tall helmet, chest plate and all. Um, in its absolute glory. Did you know? Uh, be honest. Did you know right <laughs> away that that's what it was? Because I, I know it was the helmet. So I didn't. I knew it was from something, and I couldn't pinpoint it. I was like, "That's a video game, something," and I couldn't pinpoint it. And then once I saw this, I went, "Oh shit, that's what it is." Or, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Family friendly, buddy. Um, yeah, no, I noticed from the helmet. And just a correction. Thank you, Andy, for putting that back in my mind. Uh, it happened after Bo-Katan got the saber back. You are one hundred percent correct. You are 1,000% correct after season four of Rebels when Sabine, or season three, Sabine gave Bo-Katan the, the Darksaber back. And then that all happened with the Mandalorians where she lost the saber to uh, Moff Gideon. Mandalore was destroyed, etc. So you are 100% correct. The okay, Night of a Thousand Years has okay. not happened yet. It happened a few years, if not just a year before uh, A New Hope happened. Um, so thank okay. you for the clarification. Um and Andy, I, I was 
I wasn't saying is like meaning it was his exact armor, but it might be the live action interpretation of his armor. That might be the actual route they're going for his armor. Um, if it is in fact that actual armor. So, I mean, uh, the pig, I, the, it the, looks pretty damn similar. The like thread, the thread that you threw at least the helmet, the helmet is almost dead on. I don't and think it has to be exact either. Like, I think it's an, it's a live action version of it. Well, no, the helmet is literally. Yeah, dead no, on. I know. I'm saying the chest plate and everything. Yeah. The chest plate, that stuff. And Sam Whitworth even reposted it saying like, see, I told you guys I was in this show. And I mean, that clearly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really cool. And we've talked about it plenty of times before, but this is how you do Easter eggs. This yeah. is how you do Easter eggs. You just put them back there for Star Wars hardcore nerds like us being like, oh my God, look, it's that. It's this. Oh my God, that's reference. That's shown for the first time. You know, blah, 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 blah. I think it's funny. People have forgotten that there's a difference between Easter eggs and setups. These are yeah. Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. Like, because the Mortis arc already happened uh, yeah. with the father, the son, and the daughter. Uh, Starkiller, if Starkiller is an actual thing, Starkiller happened. Uh, the Mandalorian armor, okay, so he may have just salvaged it, maybe got in a fight, etc. We don't know. Uh, so it's just stuff that, like, yeah, it's not it's, setting up anything. It would be yeah. different if we saw something from like a future timeline event that's like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, people, it's funny because like I've seen people say, I'm I'm literally, of course, drawing a blank on something, but like seeing things in the background is an Easter egg. Mm -hmm. Seeing something happen at the end of, okay, here's a perfect example. Seeing these things in the background, that's an Easter egg. Ahsoka saying, where is General Thrawn? Oh, that's that a thread. Not, that's a story point. That is not, a, that is not an Easter egg. That's a plot that point. That is a setup. That that's is literally point. setting you up. Yeah. There's a that's, a plot, that's a plot point, 100%. Yes. These, <laughs> these, are East, this, these are the definition of Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what that is. The armor, the helmet, 1 million percent an Easter egg. You're probably never going to see anything from it, but Grand Admiral Thrawn. Sorry, I was trying to speak fast because I looked at realized how much time we've spent talking about this. Uh, <laughs> I love that Andy just he gets a joy of pointing these. I knew out. immediately after I said it, but I was hoping no one would catch it, and so uh, he's probably laughing in his his Hawaiian shirt right now. Yeah, his yeah. Pokemon shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, real quick, just to point on to point on Gordon's comment. Uh, yes, you are correct. It is from the bad ending of Force Unleashed. I will say this. If they were ever to touch on Starkiller, in my belief, having played those games multiple times, I think they would make the character fully bad. I don't think they would I don't think they would ever flip back and forth. Um, I think he would solely be a Sith bad guy, and that is his story. I don't think that probably... they would give him any redemption he would probably be off world and you would never see him ever meet up with a character you know yeah he, he would be like an agent of chaos for vader essentially is what he, he would, would literally probably be like in the unknown region yeah and you would just never see him interact with anyone yeah. I, I don't think that they would ever pull the redemption arc where he tries to kill vader and he goes good etc he would he would solely be a bad guy in my in my opinion so yeah hence the name star killer yeah. like come on yeah. um it's just it's too good to be to not be told so I do hope one day we do get to see him. I think he's a great, great character. And seeing Sam Whitworth play that role, are you joking me? 
That'd be yeah. so badass. That'd be so badass. Um, all right, Brian, are we good on the museum? Are we good on the museum stuff? We can move forward to Andor because Andor had a really cool arc in this episode. Uh, he, he is stepping forth into his new beginning as a, re a rebel. Um, I had the planet name. Hold on a second. Uh, it's the name of the episode, isn't it? Ald Aldani. Aldani um, is the name of the planet, which I pulled up Disney Plus for that. I had it pulled up the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, Aldani is where he and Luthen head, and we find out that they have, or Clem, excuse me. And, God, you freaking sucker. Whatever. I'm going to keep saying it, or Cassian, whatever. Uh, we find out that there's a little bit of a rebel cell there, and they've been planning some sort of essentially attack plot up against a uh, M Imperial Armory. And uh, we learn that there's only a few of them left that Luthen kind of wants to put him in action right away. And we get this really cool dynamic between all these characters. Um, it's interesting because you would think that at this point, the, the rebels are all about bringing people in. Right. Mm -hmm. But because it's in such secret, they are very worrisome and questioning the acts of bringing someone new in. And if like, like a lot of people say and how it was kind of set up in the episode, if they believe in the cause, if they believe in the cause of fighting the empire and possibly dying for what they're trying to do. Um, I mean, and I don't think it's even fair to say that there's not really a rebellion even at this point. No, well they did. It was, it was an interesting uh, part of dialogue at some point, but one of the characters did say partisan. Uh, no, they, they said rebellion at one point. They yeah. did say rebellion at one point. Um, Andy, just goodness, whatever, dude. Jesus. It's the same thing. They're looking after weapons, so it's an armory. I'm pretty sure they say armory in the episode anyway. Andy, do you want to come on? Do you want to be our guest? You know, yeah, we should. Stuff? Um, no, but look, so we didn't get the heist in this episode, but it's clearly just the setup. Uh, Cassian has to be integrated and... and um, you're, I'm gonna tired. Kill me. you're really going to kill me. <laughs> just let me freaking talk. For, it's like, Jesus. Um... I don't know the names of all the characters just yet, but the leader. Uh, oh, I couldn't girl, tell you one of her names. Yeah, the girl. Um, she obviously has to try to sway the rest of them that this guy's legit, that she trusts him. You know, he's here for the right reasons. It's all been planned from the beginning, etc. Uh, and Cassian kind of has to wiggle his way in. He does what he needs to, and he, he barely even speaks. He just kind of just stands there, and everyone does the talking for him. And he just but like, he's, yeah, but, yeah. but Diego Luna's so good at just standing there and using his eyes. Yeah, you know, using his body language at, at what he does with acting. Vel, thank you, Vel. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Um, so I'm I, I love the dynamic between all these characters. I loved it. I loved how all different they were. They all had their little moments to say some pieces of dialogue, and they're all uh, good at different pieces of what they're trying to put together. We learn the plan of what the deal is with all of this and kind of what's happening. Um, I love the cultural aspect to it as well. And how they're kind of planting that inside of all of it. And the fact that we're going to be able to see it is really cool. Um, I'm just interested in how it goes. You know, whenever we see some kind of rebel heist or fight or whatever, it usually ends with a lot of rebels dying. Dude, it never really, it never really ends in a good, a good note for the rebels. So. I literally, this is how pessimistic or maybe not even pessimistic, just like knowing Star Wars at this point that the one dude that was sleeping like every time he talked he made you like like him more and i'm just like it's gonna be it's gonna suck when you get a bullet <laughs> a blaster bolt through your chest like you're 100 
Maybe it's because I've been I'm back in the world of Game of Thrones where it's like don't fall in love with characters because you, they're gonna die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that that sweet young man is absolutely not making it out of this mission, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I don't think so either. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah, uh, John, maybe. I mean, there's no one telling people with force abilities that they have force abilities, and it's not like they just disappeared. So, I mean, to this guy, it might be a feeling, but it actually may be force sensitive, and maybe just nothing. Uh, so, it's it's funny because, like, I immediately went like when he went. Oh, I have a feeling. I went. Oh, just have a feeling in the world of Star Wars tends to mean a little bit more than that, but. I mean, in this time period, you're not, you're never going to know unless they were already established. So it's like, what show is it that we learned? It was Obi-Wan, right? That they were keeping that people with force abilities had to stay secret because the empire was hunting him down, obviously. I mean, that's um, basically like anything between. Yeah. But, but they, they, like, said, they said specific lines of like, it was O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character because his wife was force sensitive. Yeah. And they found her without even her just using her abilities. That yeah. they were that they were hunting people that they thought had some kind of ability, even if they had never used it in their life. Yeah. Um, and that could very well obviously we're in the we're in a timeline where that's possible and a thing. And uh, the Empire could very well still be doing that. And and that could very well what happens to him. I don't think so, because I don't think he's making out of what's gonna come next. No. And it's so sad because he's just such a nice little kid. He's a hundred percent. As Andy says, yeah, he's he's too pure for his life. <laughs> he is too pure for this life. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Game of Thrones has just made me so like. Yeah, turn. Yeah, it's it's spoiled us. It's spoiled yeah, us with like thinking people can make it out alive. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. The king of it is Stranger Things. They were, I would say Game of Thrones more. Yeah, yeah. But, but there's literally a character in Stranger Things designed every season for you to fall in love with just so they can kill at the end. Yeah. So it just, it's, I mean, it's very much that logic. But it's just the type of storytelling we get these days. Yeah. Well, especially but, this theme. Yeah. And I think it's, and obviously, if we're already thinking that, then it's going to be how they do it and how surprising it's going to be and what way is going to go out that we're more worried about. Rather than just like, oh, he's gonna die. We don't. I mean, because we we care about the kid. Like they made us care about him, and now they're gonna kill him. You know, like it's it's gonna suck. I don't honestly. I don't know which ones make it out. I'm sure some of them do, but I have a feeling it's gonna be pretty a pretty bad ending. Um, most of them are probably gonna bite the dust. So yeah, I'm curious how this goes down. And I'm. I think Vel. I think Vel might make it out. And I think the gentleman that had the giant rifle that was questioning Vel about Hong Kong, um, about uh, bringing Cassian in. Um, I, I think I honestly think the only person that probably makes it out is Clem and uh, the guy that woke up the kid. That's it. Oh, you think he makes it out? I think he dies. Just because he was the one that was so pissed off that. Oh, see, I thought the other guy was more pissed off. 
who? I'm trying to think. I'm mixing the up. large black dude. The one that was an actual like infiltrator. Like he had a, no, no, no. The other guy that had a rifle in his hand. Oh, maybe. I just don't think we really he talked enough to really the Oh, is it Gorm? Which one's Gorm, Gordon? The name the name because they're so new, the names are yeah. so new, you know. Talked to them for five seconds. So yeah. It's it's hard, but either way, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see the heist. I think it's either really way. Good. I think it's just maybe one person and cast yeah. and casting Clem. Yeah, I I think it's a really cool idea to kind of uh, start him off in in this rebellion of like doing this. What is kind of being set up as like a small heist? They're only in there for some information. They said payroll, um, and obviously they're going up against a lot of a lot of enemy people, but. Uh, it's it's a good start to his rebellion career to do like a, a six seven man heist team, jumping in there, got a little cover. Uh, I'm excited to see it because I think it's going to create some really cool action with what they described as like a blanketed sky of all these like lights and everything from the culture. Um, I think I think it's going to create some really really cool sequences for sure. Do you think we see it next episode? Uh, I've seen I've seen people talking about how I know we might get. Less Cassian, more Mon Mothma, and then we might get Bix again next episode. I just because they said what they say three days away, right? Yeah, they said it was three. Oh, the yeah, event was three days away. Three days away. That would make sense to not just immediately go into it the next episode. I mean, the way they made they set it up felt like they would go straight into the next episode, but I actually just you saying the three days i just remembered it wouldn't really make sense to just end it and then immediately be three days later going straight because in. the dinner party was that night and we haven't seen it yet yeah so you'll probably get the dinner party and then the next one being like maybe uh, this maybe the ending of next episode is them traveling to the actual heist like preparing on probably. their way out and then the start of six like the very opening of six is actually the heist yeah, you'll probably get the dinner party next episode and the actual heist being six. Yeah, I, I think that's probably what's gonna happen. Because I I, I want to get back to Bix. Like I want to see Bix. Like what's happening with her? Yeah, you'll probably get a mix of those two, Bix and the dinner party. Yeah. You'll get the tension and like drama from the dinner party and then the storyline from what's going on with Bix. Mm -hmm. So makes sense. All right, Brian. Well, did we miss anything? In uh, I don't think I think we covered everything. Other um, than that nerd going back to his mom. Oh yeah, that I mean that was super quick. Nothing is really. I mean, There's they got suspicious about it though. Yeah, there is something specific. He was acting very strange. Did you notice that, like, when he did the code, he like covered his finger. Oh no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I because I was. I thought it was weird how he was put, punching the numbers. And I like was like, why is he his like he pulled his sleeve over his finger? And was, I'm like, are you going to kill your mom? Like, it's almost like he was making sure his fingerprints weren't on the thing on the door. Like, he doesn't want people to know he's on Coruscant. Well, and she clearly. Well, did he go to Coruscant? I think so. Yeah, he went down. Into the. Like lower, it, it was it was Coruscant. I'm after after we watch it because obviously he sure. left the planet that he was on, and um because he, 
the gentleman that we saw in the first three episodes that he was working with, and then they're basically their general, the, yeah. their boss. They all got kicked out, uh, fired essentially, and the the empire is taking over their section. Um, so his story is kind of like in limbo at the moment. We don't really know what's happening with them. I think what's going to end up happening in that situation is kind of like I said last week, he and the ISB lady are going to meet up because she's clearly invested in getting that thing back. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I agree. he's going to be the only means of her getting any knowledge off Andor because that the empire would shut that down. They're just like, we don't care anymore. Yeah. So she's obviously going to dig into it. He's going to obviously be the, the key to keep that going. So I think I, yeah, I would assume he's on Coruscant. Yeah. It kind of makes sense that they're setting him up to like join the empire. Um, he just has that feeling that yeah. vibe. Uh, either way, I'm interested in seeing where he goes. Uh, Section eight course on housing. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you. No, that's he's being sarcastic. I think oh, section oh. eight's usually like the poor people housing. Oh, got it, got it, got it. I'm all about. I'm I'm just vulnerable with everyone's comments today. I'm just totally gullible. So it is what it is. Uh, it did, said, did go low. Like yeah, he, it maybe maybe not on the it, it might. It literally is probably the section eight course on. So thank is. you for that, Curtis. Uh, Andy says the visual language language makes it feel like it's course on, but I was a little confused at first too. Yeah, I mean, they never they didn't clarify until they didn't say anything specific until uh, Luthen arrived on Coruscant where they put the wording up. Um, you know, so yeah. Did you get just like a little like inside giddy when you saw the word like Coruscant and then just seeing the actual? I loved, I loved that they. That they put the wording of Coruscant, uh, Capital of the Galaxy. I yeah. love that. To the title card, I'll call it a title card for the moment. Um, but I, I love the fact that they did that. I love that they did that in Rogue One. Um, because there's not a lot. Obviously, we travel to so many planets. And for a lot of people who may just be adventuring into the show, they may not know. Obviously, we know. But I love that they detailed it. And then seeing Coruscant from that view is always just a like a spectacle. It's such a gorgeous city to watch or to look at. Um well, I and also loved very unique to prequel people. I also loved, loved, loved the bird's eye view shot of it. Oh, yeah. The very first shot we got of seeing the buildings from up top straight down. I love that kind of shot. It's beautiful to look at. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I think Coruscant is specifically unique to the prequel babies. So like anytime I see it, I'm like, mm, that's yeah, that's my star wars era so <laughs> for yeah. sure for sure uh all right guys well, that's gonna wrap it up tonight for the fandalorian club uh everything and or episode four we'll be back next wednesday uh and i'm not gonna confirm anything just yet on who but we do have some guests in the work that could possibly be joining us to cover some Andor people that we really really want to talk to we're excited to have on the show uh so we'll be we will be back here next wednesday uh between the six and seven o'clock hour pacific time uh, reviewing Andor episode five. Uh, that'll be every Wednesday going forward. Uh, Brian, any final thoughts on Andor? Anything else before we head out? Well, the show's chugging along at a consistently great rate, and I'm just excited I don't have to wake up early next week to watch it. 
<laughs> yeah, you're, you, you'll be slowing down and work just a little bit. Just a little no, bit I don't have work next week, so that's why. Oh, there you go. Even better. Yeah. Even better. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, this is the Fandom Learn Club. Again, we are reviewing Star Wars every Wednesday. Check out uh, Thursdays for Marvel Rewind. We'll be back tomorrow evening covering episode six and seven for She-Hulk. Uh, and then on Saturday morning, Jacob and Keith will be talking about the Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings show on Prime Video. So for Mr. Brian Alice, you know, for myself, thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll catch you guys next time. Thank <laughs> you.